Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hello and welcome back to the No Ratings Podcast. Drama galore this weekend and we're going to jump into it with Grizz, Danish and Sam. But before we do, we have to talk about last week's icebreaker. Now if you missed that, that is a thing we give you at the end of the episode, which we then put out on social media. You guys vote and discuss and we discuss it at the start of the next episode. So last week's icebreaker was, would you rather be in the Arsenal's invincible season of 03-04 or Manchester United's Premier League and Champions League double season of 07-08. Grizz, I'll start with you, seeing as you're the neutral here. You're a Liverpool fan. What what did you rate more? What was more your thing? Mm, That's a great question, whoever thought of that. Uh, I I should have had more time to think about it, Uh, (laughs) maybe. uh, But I I reckon I'm going to go for the Invincibles, you know. And I'm not just saying it because I'm with Sam one. I'm on with Sam, I should say. I'm, I'm with Sam on. Um, I think, I think, I think the Invincibles, just because of the uniqueness of it, I guess, and it's never been done before, as opposed to the double. Fair few teams have done it. Don't ask me which ones. Top of my head, I can't remember now. But, <laughs> but we know it's been done before, and it and it it's more likely to be done. Like you can see a you can see a club doing the double invincible throughout the league campaign in this day and age i've i've i very much doubt if this ever done again and i know obviously arsenal fans take it to another level that's a different debate right we can we can call them deluded for that but <laughs> in terms of their club that's a brilliant achievement 
Danish, you're a United fan, so I'll let you put in the counter argument first because I, I would absolutely assume that Sam is going to say Arsenal invincible. So I'm guessing you probably back the double. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's two, it's two trophies. I know Sam's uh, Sam's uh, Sam's face is going like this, but it's two trophies. It's the Premier League and Champions League. The the don't get me wrong, the unbeaten. Uh, Invincibles was a massive, massive achievement, but there's a lot of clubs that probably could have done the same thing. But when there's four or five games left, they sort of can't be bothered anymore. They play their second team. Jose Mourinho's Chelsea could have done it for two seasons, but they, he just started to rotate teams. Um, it's Champions League and Premier League all day long for me. Go on, Sam. Uh, well, like I said, I'm always going to say Invincibles, but I can understand the reason because it's the Champions League. The Champions League is the thing that kills the Invincibles because it was a quarterfinal. If they'd got to a Champions League final, I don't think there's much of a debate because they've done the whole league and the final and anyone can lose a final. It's the lottery. So I think the fact that we lost in the quarters gives United the new, obviously the advantage in a one-on-one debate most people are going to say United I think however no one's ever done no one's done the Invincibles since then we then went on and got to 49 I think I said this I think the United thing I get it because they've won the Champions League and that's the biggest trophy Arsenal never won but in a one-off game the Invincibles beat that United team Right. As I said, we have to chat about this briefly. We left it to the audience and 88% of people voted for the United 0708. I told you, I get it, I get it. But To, to caveat that, that, Ronaldo played in that team, so there's a lot of Ronaldo fanboys on Twitter. Yeah, yeah, and also yeah. added not, to not that, that. Not that I don't hate Ronaldo fanboys. Please don't. Please don't. <laughs> get on to him. Get on to him. I would actually just add, quickly add my two cents. From a success standpoint, the double, I think, is more successful, if you like. From can anyone do it again? I don't think the Invincibles will be repeated ever again. I think in the the standard the Premier League is at now, even the most perfect Manchester City team can't go invincible. Uh, and that's also considering in seasons where they've not lost to Liverpool, they've gone and lost to other teams. That's that's my two cents on it. Um, so you gotta you gotta remember me and the beta coming from a Liverpool point of view where we've We've won trophies, Champions League, Premier <laughs> Leagues. We like to be unique, our club, you know. So the uniqueness of being unbeaten in a Premier League season would appeal to us more than winning another trophy, so to speak. It is literally all we have. So, Just you know, I'm going to die on this hill, lads. Let me have it. It's all we have. Love it. Uh, well, if you're going to be waiting around for this week's icebreaker, it will be at the end of this episode. I'll talk you through it when we get there. Uh, from Arsenal and United to another absolutely unbelievable rivalry that took place this weekend, Pakistan against India. And you're probably wondering if you're sat at home thinking, how is Sam going to get involved in this conversation? If you don't know, Sam's partner is actually Indian. So Sam is definitely back in India in this, I imagine. Shout out Serena if you're listening. You might, you might do. If I, when I send you the link, you will. Um, yeah, you know, I'd like, like my uh, my time watching uh, cricket. I've always supported India as well as England. So um, big up uh, Virat Kohli. That's all. I, that's all I have to say. Uh, Danish Grizz, I imagine you both watch this. Grizz, I'm I'm hoping you're a cricket fan. I don't actually know whether you have any sort of interest in cricket. Massive, huge. Um, Far less than it used to be, but obviously it coincides when your national team's crap. 
uh, or good, depending on, you know, that's, that's what it depends on, basically. But yeah, now yesterday was funny because um, I didn't actually watch the game, but I was in a takeaway just ordering some chicken and rice at the time. And I just so happened <laughs> to catch it in the last three overs, right? And I was wondering why my food was taking so long. Like, all it was was simple chicken <laughs> rice, right? Like, all they got to do is warm the rice up, chicken's there. Bob's your uncle, special our dog. And I was thinking, what's taking so long? I was like, guys, any feedback for how long chicken and rice? And like, oh, boss, I'm not going to do the stereotypical accent because that's rude of me. But boss, it will take um, it will take just five minutes, five minutes. And five minutes was like repeated five times. So I ended up 30, 25 minutes, five times, 25 minutes. And I was thinking, what's going on? And they were all on their phones watching the last <laughs> couple of hours. And it turned out to be one of the most brilliantly exhilarating, exciting games and it just, I laughed and I smiled. I didn't get angry. I just laughed and I actually just joined them in the <laughs> back of the kitchen. So I just joined them and it was brilliant. The atmosphere and the rivalry and, and there was actually Indian staff and Pakistani staff both working together in harmony. And I was thought, and, you know, there was banter flying and excitement and passion. And I thought, this is what it's all about. Mm. You know, despite what sometimes the media wants to portray as whatever. And obviously there's bad eggs and on both sides, always, always, always. But this rivalry is just out of this world. It's a stunning rivalry that rivals probably like the the Brazil, Argentina, the England, Scotland, mm. you know, Pakistan, India is no, no less. It, it is a fabulous rivalry. I think I said this at the time to my wife. I was like, I, I don't think there is any other sport or any other occasion that I value more than a Pakistan-India game. Like, genuinely, I'm a massive football fan. But if Liverpool United are on at the same time Pakistan-India, I'm not going to lie. And let's say they're both... Because the thing is, cricket goes on all day. But let's say they're at the end of the game, last 10 minutes of Liverpool United, last 10 minutes of Pakistan-India. I'm sorry, it's Pakistan-India every single day. And that is knows that because we've been in the house and yeah. watched it together. There, there is nothing quite like Pakistan-India. Um but moving swiftly on from cricket, because there will be football fans out there thinking, I don't subscribe to this podcast for cricket. Well, we are getting onto the football. A lot happened this weekend. And instead of talking all about the goals and the wonderful moments, let's start a little bit on the dark side. Um, Declan Rice tweeted this. That's up there with one of the worst VR decisions made since it's come into the game. Shambles. He was obviously referring to the moment where Jared Bowen went in on goal. Uh, Mendy got to the ball first. Max Cornet put the ball into the back of the net. Should have been 2-2 West Ham. VAR took three or four minutes looking at it and decided against giving West Ham a goal. Uh, Danish, I saw your tweet. What on earth is going on there? Uh, I don't. I found it hilarious. I don't know how many people watched match the day this coming week. Maybe I shouldn't have found it hilarious. Literally every manager after the game or player was just furious at some decision because it seemed to be one in every game. There was a Villa one. There was one in the Newcastle game. Jesse Marsh got sent off. Um, Alan Shearer spent predominantly an hour and a half just absolutely <laughs> raging. Uh, in terms of the the West Ham one, I thought I don't personally think that that should have been disallowed. I think it's way too soft. Um, Mendy parries the ball. Jared Bowen goes over him, but I'm not really sure what else he's supposed to do in terms of he's trying to get over him. He's not as in he's gone. He's not intentionally kicked him or anything like that. And then Mendy's made the most of it. I think the main problem with VAR now is it's meant to be clear and obvious. Like the, VAR is only meant to be used in certain situations when referees aren't sure. But now, because they have it there all the time, 
it's acting as like this thing where they, they check absolutely everything and it's becoming pedantic for like every single situation. Uh, it, it's getting referred for goals and decisions that are just soft and it shouldn't really be needed to be there. Uh, if, if, the, if it's the case where referees are unsure of a decision, put more refs in the game or, mm. um, you know, referees communicate via headset now, just communicate a little bit more and we, and we wouldn't be in this situation. Um, a quick word on the Coutinho one. I've seen a lot of people say that, oh, you know, City should have lost 2-1. That's possible. But I, I think on that one, if the referee doesn't already blow his whistle or he lets play continue and doesn't blow his whistle, maybe the City defenders block that one. So, But 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 in terms of I, I think it, it could definitely be due for some tweaking. Sam, you are shaking your head throughout this entire period. I didn't see your tweet, but I'm assuming you are, you're just livid at VAR in general because it was actually involved in the Arsenal game. It's actually not on my notes, but there was a foul in the Arsenal-United game. Uh, we will talk about that game in a little while. Um, the clear and obvious debate here, and I think you hit the nail on the head there, Lanish, is that isn't clear and obvious, in my opinion. I don't think that's a decision you have to go to VAR for. But the problem is that the ref is now going, yeah, I'll just go to the, go to the box. And you know when he goes to the box, he's going to overturn it. Like, genuinely, the only ref that's gone against it is Michael Oliver, and that's because he's hipster. Um, so, yeah, yeah go on, go on. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, I actually big up Michael Oliver because I, I actually <laughs> think he's been the best ref you know, for, for donkey's years, actually, he seems to be the leader, like the yeah best ref England have had for years. The rest, absolute trash. Honestly, I like I did a space after the Arsenal game and I tried to avoid any comments about the rest because it could have been there all day. Like you said, Man United Arsenal's a separate debate because there were so many issues there. But with the the Bowen Cornet is the worst VAR call I've ever seen because, like Danish said. If it's not clear and obvious, what are they getting involved for? The ref hasn't given it, so it's a goal. The VAR should be used for clear offsides that they've missed or handballs in the box, like scruffy little 50-50s or like, oh, has he been fouled and stuff, is not for VAR. It's just, a, and people will go that it's a VAR issue. It's not. It's the people using VAR, which mm. has always been the issue since England have first used it. I don't know why it's always England that has this issue because it's used in other countries. I don't see any mentions of VAR anywhere else on like BT Sport tweet all the time, foreign leagues, premier sports, all that. I never see any tweets about VAR from their accounts. It only seems to be Sky, BT and the Premier League, even the championship as well can't use VAR properly. So it's just, it, I hate to say it, but it's just the Premier League referees have just been garbage for about three years. Um, like you say, Jesse Marsh, you know, he's, he's his blatant penalty and he's getting sent off for complaining. Like it's now got to the point where ref managers can't even express themselves on the touchline and they're getting sent off. So now what, what hope, what hope do we have? So at this point I would have been off VAR because it is ruining the game. Because of the referees, I wouldn't bin it off. I don't know. Um, no, no chance of binning it off. But I agree with everything else that you guys have said. And I think one of the key key points is VAR is being used now in in sort of it, with every goal, trying to see what's wrong with it, as opposed to see if there's any fatal errors. So, or basic or blatant errors. Sorry, I should say. So when you start scrutinising every single goal and looking around the area, the pitch, every defender, every pull, every tug, you're going to find something and that's ruining, that's what's ruining the game. So like they should just use it for common sense, like the McAllister mm. goal, right? The goal of oh the God, season yeah. probably so far, man. 
that is an absolute zinger. And they've gone back because what a guy who's marginally offside may or may not have gone for the ball. Come on. If it, if it is by a millimetre or if it is by that small of an amount of distance, I think just give the benefit of the, of the doubt to an attacker. There's the nothing... problem is, though, I agree. But at the same time, considering we just said that the refs can't do their job, you're then leaving it to ref's interpretation as to what is a millimetre or a smidge. And that's kind of a bit of a problem. One thing I do think that we definitely need to talk about, which I don't think many people do talk about, is managers don't seem to be allowed to talk to referees. That That's really weird to me. The, the Jesse Marsh situation, there's, there's a few things to this. I tweeted it and a few people were upset. So just to clarify, Jesse Marsh did go over to the linesman. He was livid with the linesman. And then the ref came over to him. And I think you could lip read him saying that was a penalty. That was a penalty. That was a penalty. It was an absolute blatant penalty, by the way. And it would have changed the game. And then he gets sent off immediately. It wasn't even like a, it was like the ref basically said, don't chat to me. Like you can't chat to me. I'm can't even remember my name and I've got a better trim than you. So I'm sending you off. It makes absolutely bizarre to send a manager off like that. Do you feel as though managers can't even get a word in anymore? Are the refs just overly protected? I disagree with that to, to some extent. I know Jesse Marsh uh, was just trying to get his point across, but he was clearly livid. He, he was on the pitch at one point as well. It was a good two minutes he was going at the fourth official and the referee. He wasn't just saying it's it's a penalty, it's a penalty. He was quite, and, and quite rightly, you know, it's there's a lot at stake. He was swearing at the ref and the fourth official, but... If you look, if you take a look at the way Jurgen Klopp or um, uh, a Guardiola speak to the linesman and the referee, they they, they get away with shouting uh, throughout the whole game. I think it's just because Jesse Mars swore a couple of times and, and he was quite profusely angry that he he got sent off. I don't, but but then it's it's a catch twenty two, like you said, because he's getting sent off for a decision that probably should have been given, um, and that's why he's so upset. But I, I think managers are still they, they get their point across. Uh, quite fine. Do you think it's the the referee as well there? If it's Klopp or Guardiola, do you think he sends him off? Do you think he's doing it to Marsh because I uh, oh, you're Jesse Marsh, you're here, mate. Here you go. I, I, I think, Klopp alike. I think yeah. Klopp in particular is one example who gets away with with shouting at fourth officials quite a lot, which is quite. I mean, I think it's quite smart, even as a even as a Man United fan. I think it's quite smart the way he cajoles the officials. It's probably because he's got a charming personality and everything. Um, I think that's I think that's baloney. I don't think Klopp gets away with it more than anyone else. I, I think that's just a, the, the way the media portrays him. In fact, what usually happens is whatever Klopp says turns out to be the, the truth weeks later or it's been proven. So whether he's moaning about fixtures or or uh, overplaying or, you know, TV, everything he says, they, they change the rules to anyway. Yeah, yeah. For but but I mean, in, so, in so the game. What it, what, what it suggests is that he, he knows what he's talking about. And even in the game, like, you know, He's a he's a he's a guy who's basically in the modern day. He's the modern day Fergie from that angle and aspect. So I guess you would have experience in, hmm. knowing when a manager is sort of going over the top. But he is. He's the modern day Fergie. I will admit that. I will admit he's the modern day Fergie in terms of he does intimidate press and media, the way he speaks and the way how he how he how he comes across in press conferences, whatever. But you know, I think they need to set. I kind of agree with the rules about sort of being strict with the referees. You shouldn't be able to abuse and whatever on the touchline. I get what you're saying. So there is a precedent to be set. There's an example to be set. And maybe Sam's got a point. Maybe Jesse Marsh was an easy target, maybe possibly. But there needs to be 
a rule that, you know, come on, there's a limit and you can't cross that regardless <laughs> of the decision. See, the thing for me is, right, the referee makes a terrible decision here in this penalty situation where Leeds should have a penalty. He then is allowed to send Jesse Marsh off. And then he's also allowed to not have to even talk about that decision. Because... Yeah, it didn't even get reviewed, did it? it yeah, it wasn't reviewed. No. There was no conversation. Yeah. My thing here is, there is definitely... Is there protection from the FA for referees? Is it a time now where we go, we've had five or six errors in the Premier League in one weekend from five or six different yeah. referees? And people and the refs now are kind of going, ah, but it's VAR. And VAR has actually become like a shield for them where they can actually try or go like, yeah, VAR's the problem, ain't me. And and you're sending managers off, you're making bad decisions, teams are losing points. And at this point in the season, we're five, six games in. Yes, it's not the end of the world. But when there's two or three games to go, and this is happening to Leeds, and it might be down there, they will then go, remember that game, game week six, when this happened, and the ref had to take, the ref took no accountability. Is it is it at a point now, Sam, where we have to go chat to the refs after the game? I want to know why the ref made that decision. Yeah, the, the thing is, I think with now is they won't do it with social media because uh, they don't want to have the retweets of their comments and get all the abuse, even though they do it anyway. They just don't want to speak out into the media and like invite, say something wrong, and then they're in the papers, they're in this, they're in that. So like I said, you said uh, VAR is a shield. That's why I think it just should... It just should be scrapped because they're not using it properly. And if they can't use it properly, it does damage football. It damages clubs. And as we saw technology, it cannot work. Like a couple of years ago, Sheffield United can say they got went down because technology failed them at Aston Villa. Mm. And clubs nowadays can say uh, VAR is failing them as well. So, it's, yeah, it's just do mad in now. I think I gave it a benefit of the doubt, but yeah, thin it off. Before we move on, in a word, Danish, scrap VAR or not scrap VAR? No, don't scrap it. I think it's it's been vital in, in keeping some decisions. There's no need to completely scrap it. Um, but I think one thing's for sure, there'll be there's going to be immense pressure on them this week after all the incidences this weekend. It wasn't just one. It was like five or six. The managers were all on them. There'll be immense pressure to get it right this week. There'll be some improvement. Chris? Yeah, no chance scrap it. Just train up the ref, send them to summer camp. honestly something tells me there's no summer camp for referees there is a summer camp for managers though and uh, there may be a manager who needs something doing somewhere Brendan Rodgers we've had experience of him uh, in the Premier League for a while he was at Liverpool didn't quite cut it he's gone to Leicester they won the FA Cup and now they're in a relegation battle of course there's a lot going on behind the scenes Wesley Fofana left the Leicester board have said we're in a situation where we can't spend money and we have to sell to buy looking at that Leicester side the performance against United was one that really reminded me of a Rogers Liverpool team where there was a lot of fear and suddenly like the players that he developed to be fearless and brave we're now a completely different version of themselves, only a year and, and a few months on. Um, Grizz, having been a Liverpool fan, having had the Brendan Rodgers experience, is he coming towards the end of his tether at Leicester? Oh, he's a dead man walking. It's just literally a case of whether he walks and says goodbye to the £30 million payout that he's expected mm-hmm. to get, or he's sacked and he receives that. I think it's just a matter of who sort of, you know, kind of wilts first. People are going to say I'm, I've got a soft spot for Brendan Rodgers. I haven't. I have. You have. I, yeah, I, I can confirm I have. you have. <laughs> okay, I guess I have because of one of the most exciting seasons he's given us 
you know, ever as a Liverpool fan, even though we didn't quite win it. We didn't never expect to win it. I just think he's in a very, very awkward situation with Leicester City. Everything that you said about behind the scenes and the owners, they haven't got any money. They're not even buying after they've sold. Like, that's the that's the mm. issue. They they bought a centre-back on the last day, I think. Can't even pronounce his name, forgive me. Wild um, Fies. Okay, well, you know, you're an expert in it, so you would show off in the situation. <laughs> but yeah, he's in an awkward situation. None of the players want to be there. Like, they, they, they don't want to be there. And how is he supposed to motivate them? Find a way, I guess. You have to, as a manager, as a coach, it's your job. And yet, from that aspect, I, I, I think he's failed. He's not able to motivate them and improve them even slightly, sort of they're not in this position. Like, yes, if you ask me, can they be better with the players they've got in from, with the current situation they find themselves in? 100%. But there's a lot, lot to blame others for as well as him. I think it's just in a combination of proper disaster what's happening over there right now. It's been coming definitely for a couple of years. Mm. Like. Do you think expectations got a bit... They got a bit ahead yeah, of themselves. Yeah. Like I spoke to so many yeah. Leicester fans and they were like, no, we need to be fighting for top four. No, you don't. With all due respect, you've been overachieving for two, three years. Obviously, after Claudio and Ranieri, which was just, you know, a one-off. We know that it was a one-off. But even after then, the likes of Chelsea, Spurs, these teams are all expected to finish above you. Who are you really expected to finish above? So I think the expectations, they did get ahead of themselves. Mm. And as you said, now they're paying the price. But they're, I mean, they're, they're bottom of the league right now. He probably should have got Champions League in one of the, the two seasons. I think both of them went to the last day. Um, the, the last game was against us. And then there was that final day where it was between Chelsea, Leicester and I think Tottenham. He didn't get uh, UEFA Champions League qualifications, which was, I, I agree with Grace, punching above weight won the FA Cup. I think he's done a really, really good job. It's just the owners don't have the funds to give him this summer. He was open from game one this season of, of making it clear in the press conferences, uh, saying that he that there's no money coming in for players and he needs players uh, coming in. Leicester have been a club that have tended to uh, use the funds when they've sold players. So they sold Harry Maguire for 80 million two years ago, used the funds well. They've sold Wesley Fofana, but they don't have any time to bring anybody in. I think Brendan Rodgers would have been happy if they sold Fofana earlier and then got the funds to be like, okay, maybe I can get some players in now. Um, and, and another interesting point I want to make, like Premier League managers and Premier League teams, they tend to have like a short span. Um, normally, if you're not in the top six, or even if you are in the top six, but normally if you're not in the top six, mid-table teams need a refresh almost two, three years, every two, three years. The two longest serving managers in the Prem right now are Guardiola and Klopp. And then after that, it's Thomas Frank. So unfortunately, I think two, every two or three years, you need to maybe change the wheel. Even though I think Rodgers has done a great job, it's just doesn't have funding, doesn't have new players to refresh everything. Um, just on this Rodgers point and this Leicester point, I agree with you, Grizz, to say that Leicester have overachieved and now they're not underachieving. Well, definitely right now, but overall they're not underachieving. But the question mark really here is, and I hate to use this term, and this is not my words. I read the tweet earlier. People were questioning whether Rogers is a bottle job, having what Facts. some people might say bottled Facts. the the league with Liverpool. Facts. But the, Facts. The, hey, Facts. let me finish. Let me finish. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> um, then they were in the top four. If I'm, I can't remember the stat exactly, but they were in the top four for like 112 days or something. And they dropped out of the top four by losing four or five games straight. That happened two consecutive seasons. Now they're rock bottom with one point from six games. And yes, he's losing players, but that first 11 is still very good. And they've probably got 12 or 13 players that are, I think are actually quite 
good. And I don't question him. I don't question his character. I don't question the person. But I do question the fact that this has happened on repeat, apart from that Celtic and, and not to go after SPFL fans, but even Steven Gerrard was killing it there. And now look at him. So yeah. there is, it, it, Sam, you're saying facts. Why are you saying facts? Are you saying Rogers is that guy? I just think it gets to a point with Brendan and then it's like you've reached your level. Uh, I think the FA Cup is his level. Like it is a, it, the FA Cup is a very good achievement, but that's it. He's a very good manager. He's not the the echelon the, the echelon above. I mean, we say he hasn't had funding. There are a lot of new signings at Leicester that have flopped. And like they used to buy really well, but I remember they had Gazelle from Lyon, who mm. just faded away. Vicente Abora, highly rated from Sevilla, flopped. Daka. Patson Dakar's barely even played. There's so much hype. He's there. fast He's though. Barely <laughs> He's really fast though. <laughs> he is He's really, really fast. fast. My only difference with the with the bottle job accusation is, to me, I think a bottler is someone who's expected to win things and doesn't. I don't think Brendan Rodgers is expected to achieve any of those things, and to call him a bottler from that situation, I think is slightly harsh. Can, can I just He's throw out there, He's not as good. He's not as good as maybe he thinks he is, but he's most certainly not. Fraud. I am quite fraud. sure I saw a tweet from you last season saying Arsenal bottled ah. before. I am quite sure I Receipts. saw that tweet. Oh. <laughs> Receipts. 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 Find, that, find that and I'll own up. If you can't, please take that back. Everyone knows <laughs> oh. I've got a soft spot for Arsenal. You know, I've got a soft spot for Arsenal. Um, so I would never have said that bottle jumps for Arsenal. Never. <laughs> um, Just search at the top of his profile, bottle job. I'm, I'm going to search it. The word bottle job, everything, new... everything he's ever mentioned. Uh, yeah. On the day of the Newcastle game, everyone piled in. I'm sure you did. I'm, no, no, I really no. feel like you did, Chris. Producer's in my ear. Uh, he's going to get digging. I'm... I'm pretty certain I didn't. We move on swiftly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's talk Ivan Tony because uh, Leah, who's been on the podcast before, adores Ivan Tony. Thinks he's one of the best strikers in Europe or England. I can't remember his exact words. Um, is it time to talk about Ivan Tony as a potential England candidate? To give us some back, I know that sounds crazy because people are going Brentford striker Ivan Tony. But if you really deep it and think, okay, who who is an England striker at right now? Harry Kane is the out and out number nine. He's going to play every single game. Dominic Calvert-Lewin hasn't scored a goal in a while. He can't stay fit, unfortunately, for him. Callum Wilson can't stay fit. There isn't many options. Sterling is a false nine, but Gareth Southgate isn't going to play a false nine. And why would you when you do have some striker options? I'll say he's got a shout, like you say, but I think he's only got a shout because of injuries. Um, and I'll throw out Tammy Abraham. Uh, yes, I think missed still, that one. It's still ahead of him, just I'm because Tammy. he starts every week. And his goal record has been incredible at Roma. So I would say just, but... Like you say, Tony's come on leaps and bounds, which I am still surprised by because last season he said F Brentford. So I'm still madly surprised he's still there and recovered. So fair play. I rate Ivan Tony. Before we carry on with this Ivan Tony chat, Grizz, we have receipts and it didn't take long. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so, so somebody who is an Arsenal fan said, we have been consistently been there or thereabouts most season, even with the crappiest tactics, but we've been there. Grizz replied, and you can go and find this tweet. This was not last year. This is actually a long time ago. 18 Thank and four. You. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> 18, you still said bottlers. You referred to them. Uh, you said, yes, we did bottle it that year, but you guys are serial bottlers, or should I say consistent bottlers? Those uh, are your words. Two separate. Context. Everything's about context. You have to give context. <laughs> we know this was, I'm sure, pretty much 
more than definitely not the Arteta era, Sam. I just no, want to it was probably Emery. You yeah. It was not in the Arteta era because in the Arteta era, yeah. they are anything but bottlers. I think they're on the upward curve, and I've been very vocal about that on any platform I spill my crap on. Uh, but under Arteta, certainly not. Um, yeah, it was probably Emery. Yeah, it's definitely under Emery. Yeah. yeah. So uh, Nabe's done me very dirty there. No, 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 no. I referred to last season and producer Scandal has done you dirty. Do not blame me because Chris, you've got a lot of followers and I don't want them on my case. They're very loyal I'm towards my Chris. I'm sending my <laughs> don't start creeping into my DM saying, what did you say to Father Grizz? Don't speak on his name. Father Grizz? They call him Father Grizz. No, I made that up. <laughs> oh, okay. We still get that trending. Hashtag Further Father slander, Grizz. More slander. <laughs> Uh, uh, back to really, Ivan Tony. Really quickly on the Ivan Tony. Look, he may have scored a hat trick and flavor of the month or of the week, as the case may be, in my opinion. Um, he, he has to do far more to be considered a regular for England international. Maybe give him a cap to see how he is, but um, I'm not his biggest fan. I don't rate him as highly as Leah's, obviously. Um, and you can sort of clip this up. He won't score. How many goals has he scored now? So three. Five and six this season, and he got 12 and 33. Mm. He won't score more than 12 goals this season. He's got five. He's already more than, he's nearly halfway there. I know he's about to go on a drought then, isn't he? Mental. Danish, Ivan Tony for England? Uh, yeah, but I, I think I agree with Sam where he'd be down in the pecking order anywhere because it'd be Harry Kane, Tammy Abraham. And then I would like to see him and like maybe Danny Welbeck battle it out this season for the... For oh, the third, Welbeck! Third spot. That oh, guy, well, oh, come oh. on, man. That guy, well... That is an incredible shell. I'm so on board with but that. Both, both of them um, are sort of flourishing in, in teams that are coached really well uh, by like systems that, that are ran really well. So like Brentford is a really, really good pressing team. He's uh, in the 95th and 90th percentile of interceptions and clearances. This is Ivan Tony, by the way. So like he would work, or he works very well in the Brentford system. They're one of the best pressing teams in, in the league and they press very high. Um, England is more pragmatic and they, they don't really do that. Um, but I, I, I wonder if he'd get an appearance anyway, but I, I'd take Ivan Tony for sure. It's Danny Welbeck. I don't oppose Danny Welbeck, the footballer, or Danny Welbeck, the meme, or even Danny Welbeck, the guy. But I'm also baffled that he's only 31. I, I swear to God, I thought he was 40. Like, no joke. Wait, he's 31? I thought he was about 28. Okay, yeah, no, I did I not. Thought, wait, I thought, he thought he was younger. He's been around donkeys years, he's isn't been, he? He's been around for ages. He was he was around when uh, uh, Sir Alex Ferguson was there. Yeah, I'm, great I, record for England as well. Darnish, that's yeah. an incredible shout, mate. He scored incredible. against Real Madrid in the not in the Champions League quarterfinal. Don't disrespect, bro. Dan, <laughs> that's you got Danny Ings. Danny Ings is there. You want a different Danny? Danny Ings doesn't even get a look. This Danny's definitely not getting a look in. If we're talking about England having having any aspirations of winning the World Cup, and we guys are nominating uh, Danny Welbeck and Ivan Tony to lead the line, then I'm afraid. <laughs> It's null and void. This conversation is very null and void. The Champions League is back and I'm hoping our editor has put in the Champions before this section. Otherwise, he's absolutely missed the bag. Um, let's get straight into it. It's come around so quickly. It's kind of weird. Um, any groups that stand out to you, Grizz, as it stands? Oh, yeah. The, the one that stands out is, I don't know which which 
which group it would be known as, but it's the it's the Inter Bayern one, right? Yeah, that is Group C, Bayern Munich, Barcelona, Inter, and unfortunately, Victoria Pleznan. Yeah, I mean, look, that's a, that's a hell of a group. Um, it's so hard to call. I mean, Barcelona sort of managed to, to do a money heist, real-life money heist this season. <laughs> um, and then you've got Inter, you know, serious, serious team. They're building their squad building there. I know they've had a few financial issues, but they've managed to still keep majority of the squad, bring back bring back the hero, the legend, Lukaku, after his va- one-year vacation at Chelsea. <laughs> uh, and then you've got Bayern Munich, who, um, you know, Sadio Mane left for. So that's a really tough group to call. That's without doubt the group of death, so to speak. I mean, I wouldn't like to call it. But I've got a, I've got a hot take for that group. I actually genuinely think, lads, I think Bayern's going to miss out on that group. And everyone's, oh, really? Bayern Munich? Yeah, I know. Look at their reaction. Lana, look at your reactions. I know. I, you know, I wish everyone could see your reactions right now. Exactly how I thought it's going to be. But that's that's, that's, the, that's I, the whole point I of a hot take, right? I don't have words. That's the, but that's the point of a hot that's take. A cold where, take. That's, that's a cold a hot take. take. It's like, like you just burn yourself. That's a hot take. <laughs> nah, that's, that's being put in the freezer. That's a cold take. <laughs> I said, Bayern Munich, not as good as everyone thinks they're going to be. There you go. I mean, I to be fair, I actually thought you were going to say Victoria Pleasant are going to go through, and I was going to kick you straight out the call. <laughs> I'm going to say that that I'd be a that would be a hot take. take. Picking up from from what Chris said, uh, is, is the group of death: Group C, Bayern, Barcelona, Inter. You can't gloss over this this Champions League group stage without talking about them. Uh, it's just for me, it's going to be really interesting to see Nagelsmann, Xavi, uh, Simone Inzaghi, and he's got Lukaku back as well. All, all three of them go head-to-head. So those, those are some really interesting match days to look forward to. Um, poor old Victoria Pilsen. Uh, you know, everyone's writing them off. I can maybe see them at, at some point getting a draw or a win somewhere and then it's everyone the losing their minds. type of group where they get a one-all draw at Barcelona. Yeah, and everyone... Yeah. Like, like when Sheriff won the first... I think yeah. it was the first match day last, last year and then everyone went, oh my God, they're losing to a, did, to, to a cowboy beat- team. Didn't they beat Madrid twice last year? Am I not? Am I right in saying that? Just once. Just I think once. Guys got that banging left-footed goal. Yeah, yeah. at the Bernabeu. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, and then, the, then Madrid slapped everyone. And then yeah. they interviewed the same guy after saying, "Is this your permanent job, or do you have another job?" Which is really <laughs> insulting. <laughs> so I, I think that's the group that I'm I'm really looking forward to, obviously. But like a, li- a little bit of a hipster choice, if you will. Group D has got a strangely, it's a very open group. It's Eintracht Frankfurt, Tottenham. Sporting Lisbon and Marseille. I'm I'm looking forward to it as well because it's Antonio Conte in the Champions League. Uh, he's never got I think further than the quarter final, um, and and somehow that group is just is pretty much all level apart from like Tottenham who who have the best team. He's um, he's he's got hella unlucky because Conte for sure wants to bin the Champions League to focus on the Premier League, yeah. and he's got a group which he can't even bin because all the other teams are are not as good as them. Um, also, I love the fact, Anish, that you're pronouncing half the teams with an accent and half teams not. So you, you even pronounce the word group as group. I was like, yeah, what? I don't, <laughs> group is an English word. <laughs> I am the original Mr. Worldwide. People ain't got nothing on me. Uh, 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 Sam, we've heard plenty about uh, Group C. We've heard a bit about Group A. Um, any uh, other group or any other team possibly that stands out to you that we haven't mentioned I'll throw out the uh, the old Scottish teams. I know we said about the England-Scotland rivalry, but I personally love watching uh, 
Rangers in Europe last year was a cracking watch mm. at any day. It was at Ibrox. Celtic start off with Real Madrid at Celtic Park. If anyone's not watching that, what are you doing? That's got to be must-see. Europe- European champions at Celtic Park, man. Even if they beat Celtic 6-0, was going to be fun for at least 10 minutes before Real Madrid score. Um, so Celtic and Rangers, even though I, I think both of them will go out, I think they'll be good watches. Dortmund, City, Sevilla is a tasty little combo because they're tricky games for City, even though they'll probably wipe the group. But it's interesting to see how Dortmund do about Haaland, Sevilla notoriously always deliberately go out in the group to win the Europa so yeah if they can actually do it this time there are loads of cracking ties like you said Tottenham Marseille is a good game you've got the most classic Champions League group of all time with Atleti Leverkusen Porto you've got Club Bruges in there as well I think this is a bit of a throwback Champions League like when I was a kid like Club Bruges Dynamo Zagreb um, sport in Lisbon, Marseille, Maccabee Haifa, oh, Copenhagen. Oh, is. Is. <laughs> Those teams were always in the Champions League when I was a kid. There's one other team that I'm thinking of that, you know, Sturm Grez. Where are them man gone? They were in the Champions League all the time. If they were in this Champions yeah, League, we would yeah. genuinely have an absolute classic Champions League. Chris, we've got you here. You're obviously a Liverpool fan. Liverpool are in Group A. Ajax, Liverpool, Napoli and Rangers. Not a single away day that you're going to enjoy in terms of a free win. Every away day is going to be tricky. How are you feeling about Liverpool's chances in the Champions League this year? Um, as always, Champions League and Liverpool is like... Apart from Real Madrid, of course, I must add before people go mad and say, you know, Real Real Madrid and Champions League is the real marriage. I guess where the where the divorced marriage, (laughs) where the divorce, yeah, there's so many things to use in this in this in in this example. But um, if there's an award for atmospheric away grounds or even home grounds, every game is going to be a mega atmosphere. Every single game in that group, it's going to be monster atmospheres. Plenty of history in those games. Uh, we always seem to play Napoli every other, every <laughs> yeah. other year. Um, thank God it's not Carlo Ancelotti managing them as well. Like we always <laughs> seem to find Carlo Ancelotti in the opposition dugout. But yeah, look, it's a tricky, it's a trickier Champions League group. I expect us to go through though. Um, I think Ajax will be a bit, a bit awkward, awkward. But then again, they've got so many stars leaving them, so mm. many players leaving them, uh, stripped of all their stars. Uh, and of course, Napoli, probably the form team in Europe, one of the form teams in Europe right now. They've got a magnificent winger who, let's see how good you pronounced his name then, Nubay, because you showed off about earlier on about the other pronunciation, that the Georgian winger. Oh, I Napoli. did a whole TikTok video on him. I need to now, didn't I? I, I need to look at the spelling of his name. <laughs> got him, got him, got him, got him. <laughs> I mean, he is balling out right now. He is the inform attacker in Europe. But yeah, um, I still expect us to go through. And then after that, it's luck of the draw. See what kind of injury situations when you have a tie. It is. It, it can be a bit of luck here and there. We've definitely got the, the, the pedigree to reach the final, as we all know. The winger you're after is Kavicha Kavachihalia. Um, but I don't think yes. that's how he yeah. says it. That's a very British pronunciation. <laughs> um, what I will say is that TikTok video on him got 250k and I was on it before anyone else was. So sure. <laughs> sure. With right. your knowledge. All right. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Who's winning the lot, Grizz? Who's going to win the Champions League this year? I can't see past Real Madrid, people. I can't. I can't see Real Madrid. They've, they've, they've strengthened the game. What I will counter that with is... People speak about squads and depths and if one key player, if Benzema's crocked for Real Madrid, they seriously don't have 
anyone remotely no. close to his caliber. And that is my only, not that I'm wishing any kind of injury <laughs> on Benzema, but I'm saying if Benzema was to be sort of injured or whatever, that's the only thing. Apart from that, they've got depth everywhere else. A frightening bunch, aren't they? Year mm. after year, they're extremely frightening. Danish, who do you think is going to win the Champions League? PSG. Neymar's posting all these Insta picks. He's on some revenge season. I think Lionel Messi as well. He had COVID, lots of injuries moving uh, cities. I could just see a bit of revenge for both of them there. Look, I was accused of calling Arsenal bottlers, but PSG are the original serial yeah. bottlers. So I think I'll, I'll give you that's that, big yeah. facts. That's they big they facts. own a lot of bottles. They sell a lot of bottles. Just for those that are at home... Um, this this is hilarious to me that Grizz really needs to leave because he's got a live stream to do, but he's the man who talks the most as well. <laughs> he can't help himself. He has to give his thoughts and everything. Grizz, I'm trying to get you out so you can make your stream, although you're 10 minutes late anyway, but he still loves shine. Uh, Sam, very quickly, what is your uh, Champions League predictions? I feel like I'm, I'm going to keep saying this every year until they do, but I just feel Man City are inevitably going to win it. I just think Haaland's come in. They've got depth with Alvarez. looks bright as well. They can stick Foden in a false nine still. Um, Calvin Phillips don't even play yet. And like everyone forgets they signed him. Uh, I just think it's inevitable. One year it's going to click for Pep and City and the curse is over. Is there anyone else that might be competing that might go far? Danish, I know you're a big Italian football fan. AC Milan, Inter, Napoli. I cannot... This is going to sound bad to say. I, I would love to watch... Any of the Italian teams get to uh, round of 16. I think it might be maybe AC Milan. Um, mm. I'll, I'll go you... for AC Milan, actually. They, they've got a, a really, really young team. They've got some some really good players. It's not just Ibra. He barely plays, actually. I think it's going to be a tournament where audiences get to see stars from Italian teams. So, Kawash mm. Kelia for Napoli and Victor Osiman. Uh, Rafa Leal for AC Milan. Lotoro Martinez looks like he's in form again um, th- this year. So, I think... It'd be great to see Rafa Leao and, and see where AC Milan can go. Hopefully they make it past the last 16. Um, and Teo Hernandez as well. As well. Uh, actually, looking forward to seeing him. I'll forever big up Olivier Giroud, by the way, as well, while on AC Milan. Yeah, scored yeah. And again, in the Milan derby, my guy always will always love him for eternity. Um, I have to give my painful take, which is I do think Tottenham are going to do really well. It just yeah. pains me that... I just, it may, I just feel something with Tottenham that, you know, I'm watching them play badly and they're winning. They've got Conte in a full season. Yeah, Kane's nice. firing. Son's not even got going yet. I, just, I know his record's bad in the Champions League, but they did it before with a ridiculous combination of luck and VAR. So, yeah, I just, I just have a bad feeling. That's it. Purely on instinct, I just <laughs> think they're going to go far. I, I think Barca are going to do well this year, you know. I really like their group. I really like their team. I like the balance of everything. Xavi's got something cooking. Um, I think football fans would go into riot if Barca do well. I think every, me, I'm preying on their downfall. I just no, but it'd, like be, it'd be a great little evil villain arc. Like everyone loves it. it. Is, like they've, just it? Owned, yeah. they've just owned that we are going to do whatever we want this summer and you can't yeah. do anything. I think Barca will do well this year. Uh, I've got a weird, and Liverpool fans will hate me for this. Um, but I don't. I think Liverpool will squeeze into second and then get a horrible draw and head out of the Champions League. Who do you reckon tops great. your group then? Napoli, which never happens because Napoli are like yeah. big time bottlers. Um, lots of bottles mentioned on today's pod. Um, I have had a thoroughly good time, and we cannot leave you without an icebreaker. I don't know if our ice is in a bottle. 
Um, but after the, after this week's pod, it may well be. Uh, if you haven't experienced the icebreaker before, let me explain it to you. It's very simple. We throw out a question in the podcast. We'll then throw that question out on social media. You will then put in your votes, put in your opinions, and we'll then discuss them at the start of next week's podcast. Very, very simple. And this week's icebreaker is a little different to before. You don't have a multiple choice. We want to hear from you. We want to hear your stories, and you will get shout-outs next week. Have you ever cried over football? Has something in football ever made you cry? Maybe a player's exit, maybe a result, or maybe just something else when you've been at a game. Do let us know, and we will discuss it at the start of next week's show. Icebreaker done. Bottles in the bag. Take your bottles away. Hopefully there won't be this much bottle talk next week. Uh, Grace, Danish, Sam, thank you very much for hopping on the pod. And you guys at home listening every single week, the pod is doing so much better than we expected. So I wanted to just say thank you very much for tuning in. Subscribe if you're new around here. Drop a like or, or a five-star rating. Whatever it is that is required on your uh, podcast platform of choice. And we will see you on the next episode. Absolute pleasure, guys. All the best. <laughs> Bye-bye. Take care. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M dot com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. 